Welcome to the weekend update for Liberty, Leadership, and Lies with Larry Linton. For local news and events, I will be at the Constitutional Conservatives' Second Amendment rally in downtown Sevierville later today. I hope to see as many American patriots there as possible. Remember, all politics first start as local politics. Get involved, and let's try to reclaim our constitutional republic. On the state level, there have been some small legislative victories, but they are overshadowed by what I can only call incompetence or outright treachery, even by members of the GOP. House Bill 0928 and its companion bill, the Senate Bill 1335, which is the Tennessee Second Amendment Sanctuary Act, will be heard on the House floor and in Senate committee Monday morning. It is vital that we contact every member of the legislature to ensure this bill passes. We need to take a stand for our constitutionally protected, God-given rights before the runaway federal government legislates them out of existence. As I will discuss later on in this update, we need to ensure that the federal overreach does not deny us the first law of nature, that of the right to self-defense. Another piece of legislation that has already passed in the House here, but it's languishing in the Senate, is Senate Bill 1593. This legislation would set up the process for nullification of presidential executive orders. This needs to happen ASAP. The committee chair that I reached out to does not even know why it is sidelined. That's some great leadership there, isn't it? I don't care what political party a president belongs to. Executive orders are unconstitutional and unnecessary in times of peace. Didn't we go to war to free ourselves from executive orders in 1776? Why are we allowing this to happen? Why are the individual states allowing this to happen? When will our individual states and their legislatures start showing some backbone in protecting their citizens' rights? Maybe when they break their addiction to suckling at the federal government's money teat. Money they get from we the people. The individual states fear the loss of federal dollars so much they willingly sacrifice our liberty in order to get their fix from the big daddy pusher that is Washington, D.C. Then there is this. It's another reason to be disgusted with our elected officials. And again, it's Senator Briggs from the 7th Senate District in Knoxville, my neighbors to the north. Remember, he's the one that called people peacefully assembling in Nashville to petition the government not to make the COVID vaccine, which is an experimental vaccine, mandatory in this state. He called them loud, disruptive people. He disparaged them by calling them a bunch of anti-vaxxers. Let's set the stage a little more, though. Senator Briggs is a retired U.S. Army colonel who served over 30 years in command and leadership positions. So, with being a state senator and an officer in the Army, he swore an oath to the Constitution of the United States and the state of Tennessee. His oath to the state of Tennessee states, I will, in all appointments, vote without favor, affection, partiality, or prejudice, and that I will not propose or assent to any bill, vote, or resolution which shall appear to me injurious to the people, or consent to any act or thing, whatever, that shall have a tendency to lessen or abridge their rights and privileges, as declared by the Constitution of this state. And here are some of the words from his oath as a U.S. Army officer. I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. By swearing each oath, one would think that you must have, at the very least, a passing familiarity with these two documents the Constitution of the United States, and the Constitution of Tennessee. Yet in the committee which he chairs, the Senate Committee on State and Local Government, 
During a hearing this past week concerning a bill, Senate Bill 1197, protecting churches from being shut down due to pandemics, he demonstrated a clear ignorance of the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution and Article 1, Section 3 of the Tennessee Constitution. I'll remind you that it states all men have a natural and indefeasible right to worship Almighty God according to the dictates of their own conscience, that no human authority can, in any case whatever, control or interfere with the rights of conscience. He actually compared banning a public football game to attending worship service at a church, calling them both peaceable assemblies, and they cannot be treated different from each other. Never mind that the peaceably assembled portion of the First Amendment is for the purpose of petitioning the government for redress of wrongs. Also, I do recall the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution stating, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or, keywords here, prohibiting the free exercise thereof. He's comparing apples to oranges. Why? Is it stupidity? Willful ignorance? Or is there an agenda? Ask yourselves why an elected representative with more than 30 years of lifetime service to one or both constitutions is trying to see doubt as to the plain language meaning of these documents. What or who suffers from the stance he has taken? What suffers is our liberty. Who suffers is the citizen sovereign. Who benefits? That's always the question. He's a medical doctor, financially supported by many different parts of the medical community. Are those entities informing him how to sow the seeds of ignorance regarding our rights? As always, ask the why. Get past being told a story. Find out the story. Right about now is when an ad for my LLC would show up in the update. But if you're interested in pursuing consulting services with Linton Leadership and Management Consulting, go ahead and email the show and let's work together to get your company up and running at high performance. On the national news front this weekend, a reminder, or I told you so, and this is only the beginning too. The gun grabber in chief was appointed an anti-Second Amendment communist to lead the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, does not believe the Second Amendment is absolute in our constitutional republic. The old child sniffer actually stated, no amendment is absolute. Can you believe that? No amendment is absolute in the eyes of dictators. This is a great example of what happens when voters in this country are apathetic to the electoral process. Call, write, email your representatives and senators at the state and federal level to let them know this will not stand. Are they, and here I'm talking about the dementia-ridden pedophile in his administration, trying to start a civil war by going after the Second Amendment? Do you think he wants to come after all the amendments since he considers them not to be absolute? How about that 16th Amendment, the one that imposed the income tax? Well, I bet you he, along with every Democrat, Socialist, Communist, and big government GOP elected official, believes that amendment is untouchable. Go ahead and send an email to the president and ask him what he thinks about the absoluteness of the 16th Amendment. I just sent one. I'll update you if I get a reply. I doubt that I will. But our government is trying to deny, we the people, the right of self-defense. One of the pedophile's senior advisors, a man by the name of Cedric Richmond, appeared on a propaganda news network this weekend to spread the lie that the Second Amendment was not intended for weapons of war. You've got to be kidding me. When was the amendment written and placed in the Constitution? 
How about right after we won the Revolutionary War? Is this a huge lie or another example of how bad our government schools are teaching our children in this country? It's a bit of both. So what were the weapons of war in 1789? Muskets, and they were the most advanced personal weapon used in combat. This is exactly what the Second Amendment is for, so that we can provide for our own self-defense with weapons of war. People will actually believe, though, that the Second Amendment only applies to muskets or hunting. Government schools again. As they believe this, they'll be lined up, unable to defend themselves, so they can participate in whatever the new aristocracy's Central Planning Committee has in store for them. Unlike stocks and bonds, past performance of these people in this administration does indicate future performance. An unarmed population is more easily controlled than an armed one. Remember that always. Or maybe we could start using the opposition's attempts at changing the language to thwart them at their foolishness. I guess all the firearms in my house will now identify as clothing or cleaning utensils, or they'll become undocumented aliens just trying to make a better living by illegally storing themselves in my house. Well, until next week, this has been the weekend update of Liberty, Leadership, and Lies with Larry Linton. Reveille, it's time to wake up.